Hey, welcome, M456, man. It's good to be back with you, me, Jonathan McAllister, John Wayne. Say hi, John. Hey, everybody. Uh, we, uh, we're we here, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the last episode, episode 10, just kind of our review of our time in Emmett, Idaho with the Wild Courage guys. If you're not listening to their podcast, Make sure and download the Wild Courage podcast. Uh, it'll change your life. Um, if you haven't joined us on our app, make sure you're doing that. Join thejourneyman.mn.co or jointhejourneyman.com um, and get in there. Did a live this morning, trying to do a live at least every other day. Um, just started a course uh, to just take us deeper into the heart. I know John and I did an, uh, a course on it and John finished that. Um, but I don't think we can talk about the heart enough, right, John? Um, and so anyway, you're going to join us. But today we've just been talking, sitting and praying. Um, we're going to talk about Elijah and what Malachi 4, 5 and 6 is all about. Yeah. And why mm -hmm. did we name this nonprofit Mandate 456? Why is it a mandate over my life, our life? Um, what does that mean? And uh, I just feel like it's going to feed your hearts a bit because it's um, it's an impartation and it's an authority and it gets tested a lot. Um, but again, Malachi 4, 5 and 6, it says God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts back to the fathers under the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah is going to come and do this. And so when I say spirit of Elijah, John, what does that mean to you? What does that say well it, it looks different uh, i think that's fair where i sit today than when i sat um in the past i mean i'm gonna throw it out there ywam rock the nations days yeah. you know ihop kc back in the day before it was even ihop yeah um you know it looks way different to me you know 20 30 years of walking with the lord in the waiting season the the deserty season it, it changes your perspective you know i read i've been reading this book um uh and this guy i i'm not gonna do a good job steve maddox uh the dream book he's talking about dreams but one of the did things you, that did, did you get that funny, in tulsa no that uh hillary uh oh. my wife she gave it to me she okay. i love oh, you know right. i'm a dreamer that's right yeah super dreamer and this guy i i don't know any of his stuff just what she told me about him but he was with john paul jackson in Dallas Forever. So, the, so people who are just listening and not watching video, what's the book called? It's called The Dream Book by Stephen Maddox. Okay. And I'm about halfway through it. Um, she got it to got it to me because, uh, and you and I do this all the time. I do the dream world. And I'm, I'm going to tie this back into Elijah here in a second. Um, but it's all about, he was traveling the world and he got tired of trying to interpret everybody's dreams. You know, got got tired of literally trying to walk everybody through it. And it, he's trying to teach in this book how to interpret your dreams. Mm. But he said this thing that I, I read it today, actually before our in, index call today. Um, he said, you know, we have sight, you know, with our eyes. But how we see things is always filtered through our perception internally. Everything is uh, is filtered this way. Yeah. And so when I think about Elijah and the way I used to think about Elijah, I had a perception of who he was. You know, the man that was the miracle man, the guy that the fire, you know, like when right. we were young, Rock yeah. Nations, baby, bring, oh, bring the fire. I want to bring the fire. I want to see angels. 850 oh. prophets, man. Dead. Come on. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I, I think, you know, for me, that's really good, John, because, you know, we raised Lou, Lou Engle and, you know, Mike Bickle, and it was our whole message back in the 90s. And, you know, and I could, st- I memorized 1 Kings 17 to 2 Kings 9. And I would always end 2 Kings 9 with Jehu, right? He's, he's they're looking out and Jehu's riding in to kill Jezebel. And they're like, he's riding like a madman. And then they'd come out to stop. He'd say, fall in behind me. And they'd fall in. You know, we did all of that, yeah. right? And in 1 Kings 17, the first time we hear of Elijah, it doesn't say that he heard it from God to do it, but he tells Ahab, King Ahab, it's not going to rain for three years. That's the first time we hear about it, right? And so oh, yeah. my perception of Elijah was this fiery, like incredible prophet. And then one word from Jezebel, from old Jezzy, um, you know, and he wants to kill himself. He runs, he runs out mm-hmm. the first time we see angel food cake. The angel comes and makes him a cake, right? And, uh, <laughs> and he's out in the wilderness, right? Um, and again, I could preach this like the back of my hand. I guess for me, John, like the current state of our church, of the body of Christ, especially in the West, I feel like is underneath that Jezebel spirit. Um, that mm. Jezebel spirit that emasculates, that condemns, that manipulates, that's kind of over the top, you know, that spirit. And I teach on the spirit quite a bit, or I used to, and it it really has emasculated the body of Christ. And without that power of Elijah and, and giving this to the next generation, having our hearts turn towards our children and our children's children, the 100-year plan that I talk about, right? I don't think mm-hmm. anything changes. And, and God says, that's what's going to break the curse. And it's the last thing he said. It's not in order, as we know, but for us in the Old Testament. And we didn't hear anything for 400 and some years after that, right? So <laughs> right. something significant. Something significant. Something. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I and I don't, I'm, I'm such a plagiarizer. I plagiarize the Bible all the time. Um, <laughs> But this guy, um, David Foreman, uh, and I got to thank Marty Solomon again. I ho- hopefully he starts listening to our podcast because we we float this guy in here all the time. Yeah, changing the way I see things. Bama podcast, um, Marty and Brent. Tech. Yes, always. Yeah. In oh, the yeah. Text. For sure. Always in the text. It's amazing, it's you guys. Everything Jesus said, Paul said, Peter said, you can find it in the text of the Old Covenant. Even what did I hear yesterday when Jesus says that on the cross? Moses had already said all that, you know? And it's like, mm. he's just making sure the Pharisees and Sadducees know, babe. <laughs> I just love it. Okay, so keep going. So Rabbi David Ford. Right? Yes. So, and I, yeah, and it's interesting, you know, um, I've been listening to his stuff for a while. I, I have been, you know, and the reason I got on is because of Marty. He kept, he kept, you know, stating over and over that he was listening to this guy, that this was his rabbi. And man, man, I just feel that right now. Um, but the interesting thing in first Kings that is sticking out to me is the way David sets this up and the way he breaks down what's going on in Elijah's life is Elijah steps out on his own, on his own. You know, he, he goes to Ahab and says, it's not going to rain. Yep. It didn't say that God told him right. to say to Ahab, it's not going to rain. He just went out. He knew the text. He had read in the Bible, you know, or the Torah, whatever you want to call it back in those the days, Torah, or yeah. whatever they had. He read that if we're doing these X, Y, and Z, 
then this is going to be what God does. He's going to send a drought on the land because they're doing it's It's idolatry everywhere. Yes. The idolatry, the burning of the firstborn sons with Baal. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's horrible, horrible stuff. And Elijah, a man of the text, takes it and he just goes for it. And I, I love there's something that we miss in here and something that, you know, as I've been studying this and, and going through these teachings, that is apparent. And I think it's apparent for our discussion uh, for the next several years in this mandate is what is often missed in the story of Elijah is the context of the, of the first couple of verses of 17 and the last verses of 16. Okay. And what we see is we see the building of Jericho and it gets built up. The gates get built up. And what happens? The firstborn son dies. And then his grandson or whoever that other child dies in the building of Jericho. So the word of God is established. It is confirmed in this rebuilding of this of this destroyed city, Mm. which in and of itself is another conversation. You know, even in in destruction, when God destroys something and we leave the ruins, it's it's meant for a reason. And so when we see that, we remember what God did in that moment. So we have that we have the rebuilding. We see God's words coming to play right there. And what Joshua said, you can read it. It's all in the text. And then we go into first Kings. Elijah makes this huge statement. Hey, it's not going to rain. I know the text. It's not going to rain. And then we get the first word of the Lord to Elijah. And what's interesting, and this is what is, is, is throwing me this direction is we've got God's word. We've got Elijah's word. And then we have God's word. Mm. And it's like, it's, it creates like a channel. And you were talking about Jezebel, you know, all this is leading Mm. to Jezebel eventually, right? This all comes down to the showdown. There's so much stuff here, but we have these two pillars on each side. It's almost like Abraham, you know, Abraham's coming in into this promise. And what does he do? He builds an altar, praises and calls on God, goes to another spot, builds an altar. Mm. And, And it's like Abraham is right in between these two altars. He's like, okay, God, I'm calling on you here. I'm calling on you here. In Elijah's story, we have Jericho, and then the word of the Lord that comes to Elijah, and Elijah's right in the middle. Yep. And what do we do? What do we do at this point? What do we do? It's um, <laughs> it's a tough question. It's a yeah. tough question, but that's where we're at. I think that's where we're sitting. And maybe some of us are in different spots, but I think that's where we're sitting, especially as a nation, but as men, going even more exact, as men in this culture, what we're seeing, what we saw, uh, in fact, I mean, it was just... I. I not that I want to keep going back to wild courage, but we're seeing it in play there. What God is doing with these men, uh, what we saw when we went to Forum 12 uh, a couple weeks ago in Tulsa, uh, a little bit different look there. It was more on a one-on-one basis, you know, when we got back to the house. But what we're seeing is I'm seeing men positioned between two things that the Lord has said, and they're stuck right here in this middle spot. Yeah, that's good. And 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 it, it like Abraham and like Elijah and like I guess any prophets of the old testament and anybody god calls they thrust themselves into the situation like abram was the very first man to ever leave his family you just didn't do that and by faith right and elijah just shows up on the scene we don't even know what what you know what the hell and all of a sudden he says it's not gonna rain and it wasn't because god said told him to say that maybe he did but it doesn't say that he did it's because he knew the text he knew the torah he knew that if you start doing this idolatry Right. And what we learned in Tulsa. So you mentioned that. I want to make sure we're clear on that. We went to this Forum 12 Web3 Summit um, with a bunch of radical kingdom people. Really cool. Um, Our index, uh, Eli got to got to pray. That fits perfectly. I'm showing the index coin that we have. Um, 
and he got to speak and we called down heaven. But at night at back at the Airbnb, we're knocking hats off of people. Holy Spirit's showing up. People are prophesying who's never prophesied before, right? God just showed up. So we're like in between the barn and Emmett and the web three conference at or are you in the 20 million square foot towers, right? Which was insane. And it hadn't been used the place we were in for 20 years. Um, they have not mm -hmm. used that, that space. Um, but men in general are in between, right? And we've mm -hmm. got to thrust ourselves into something. Like just going mm -hmm. to church on Sunday morning, emasculated, and forgive me, I'm not calling everyone emasculated, but it feels that way sometimes when you're just sitting in church saying, feed me, feed me. And let's be honest, and, and I've said this before, most of our church services are soul level. Um, mm -hmm. I was just watching a mm -hmm. famous worship leader who is claiming she's going through deconstruction, but she's huge Hillsong worship leader. And um, she said, look, I was trained to stir people up like they were at a concert. It was the same spirit at a concert watching whoever, Taylor mm -hmm. Swift or whatever, that I was stirring up in the room at church. Everybody kind of got into that frenzy of buildup, but it wasn't Holy Spirit. It was a soul level. Mm. And I'm like, yes, I know that's true. And then again, most of our messages they're good messages and we go, wow, that was really good, honey. Let's go get lunch. But they're not transforming us. They're not shaping us. They're not imparting to us because these guys preaching these messages haven't owned their pain. They haven't owned mm -hmm. these messages. And so, and again, do I sound critical? Absolutely. I'm not. I love the bride. I'm just frustrated with the body of Christ and, and, and how we built this thing. So Elijah gets thrust. He calls fire down from heaven, right? We know the story really well. Kills 850 prophets, which thank God, right? The little hand in the, the cloud, he outruns, supernaturally outruns horses, right? Tucks his cloak in his belt, uh -huh. outruns these uh -huh. dudes, has this incredible power encounter. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And it was, that was it. He ran for his life. He wanted to kill himself. He didn't know what to do. I believe, and I'd love for you to speak to this, uh, you know, Elijah and Elisha, as we know, we've talked about this before. That's the first discipleship relationship we see in the Bible. We hadn't mm -hmm. seen that kind of relationship. And I, out of, out of Second Kings 2, you can see the process of discipleship in the first chapter, if you look at it, of how Elisha discipled Elijah, right? But when Elijah went to the cave and God said, I'm not in the wind, I'm not in the fire, you know, I'm not in the rock band, whatever. And I'm in the whisper and he hears the whisper. He had to go find three guys now to go do what he was supposed to go do. I feel like he, he has some of his authority left because he, he was emasculated or believed the enemy's word of Jezebel. And I think as men, mm. we do that. We, we believe what maybe our wives say about us or our kids say about us. Right. And maybe they're right. But when we take those into our spirit and we don't we're not working towards fixing those things and improving those things in our life, man, we just stay stuck. We stay in the middle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We stay in the middle. And the interesting thing, too, in that process is what God and what God is doing with Elijah to lead him to that point at the mountain. I mean, everything that I've seen in, in 17 and 18 and first Kings God is leading Elijah to this mountain. 
Yeah. Because he's going to change what Elijah thinks about a about himself, because we have that famous declaration that Elijah said twice. I am the only one. Yes, You know, so we have this there's nobody internal left. look. Yeah, there's no one else. And and I'm not I'm not as bold to say this, but I'm going to put the application on our lives. Um, are we so narcissistic? Are we so ego driven that we think we're the only one? Yeah. You know, part of part of journeyman and the why we did this app. And when you when you were sharing that over the summer, your vision for this. And then when we started talking about mandate four, five, six, I mean, it, the whole idea of, of this culture and what this culture has built has built a lot of people that are self-centered, self-seeking. Uh, I understand working hard. I'm not saying that we don't work hard and have good businesses and stuff like that. Right, of course. But the interesting thing is, you know, we're, we're doing this thing with index and we're learning about this sewing. We're learning about pretty much what Abraham walked is, are you going to trust the father? Are you going to trust the story of the kingdom over the story of empire? Yeah. And that same mm -hmm. question is being proposed in this Elijah narrative. Are you going to trust empire? Empire says that you're all alone. Empire says that you're, you, he made this bold statement, and now he's hemmed in between these two words. He's literally hemmed into these things, and it's channeling him right to this, this showdown on the mountain, which, you know, Elijah, you know, it, the funny thing is God tells Elijah, he goes, go tell Ahab that I'm done with this, with this drought. You know, yeah. and there's, there's so much that's been unpacked in this thing for me oh, that we're hopefully going to talk about. But it's this channel. It's almost like God is channeling him, him to this moment. Of course, Elijah does the big theatrics. Yeah. Okay, the, but you know, before you go set. on, I want to I want to clarify. So, uh, you know, Elijah calls down the fire, does all the things. Then Jezebel speaks the word. He runs out before the cave. He said, "I'm the only one left." Right. And what my heart is, I always try to find the remnant. I feel like we found a remnant in wild courage. You know, I'm looking for. First of all, I live my life by the word of the Lord, and yes. then secondly, I'm going to go where He's moving, not in a conference. You know, not in some big mega church. I'm just not. I'm just not doing that. I'm looking for where he's moving, where no, where where you can't be seen. People are who are actually building people instead of a ministry or a business or their own empire, right? And so we're about building hearts. Period. Um, and if we're not, I'm out, right? And God told me the other day again, walking my dog. He said, it, I, "Nothing will last that's not built from love. Oh. Faith and love oh. it will not last." So all the things yeah. I've built through the years, they all die off because it wasn't driven by pure love. It was driven mm. by some empire. I want a name. I want to build this thing, this ministry, this business, right? And I think that's, mm -hmm. again, what we're learning in Index Coin, this crypto thing we launched, uh, and Kingdom Wealth Exchange, our own exchange that we built. Um, it's the opposite. We've sown over $200 million in crypto to Kingdom <laughs> Ministries around the planet, right? <laughs> and we know where we sow where you want to go, right? We sown into these people and we know what God's God says, I won't be mocked. <laughs> You're gonna receive a hundredfold blessing. And so who knows what's coming, right? But I, I want men to hear this. Like you're 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 stuck because you choose to be stuck, right? And I think some of it, John, you said it could be pride, it can be ego, but I also think it can be shame. We're a shame-based oh, yeah. culture, especially in church. You know, we believe this narrative of Genesis three, and and I and it's true. We we fell, and the the world's fallen. Um, but we believe this thing of shame, and and self protection, and fear. Most Christians hoard mm. their money, and they're fearful, right? 
Um, and most men are full of fear and full of shame. And Elijah was. Elijah was full of shame. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's nobody left. And God's like, yeah. bro, there's 7,000 who haven't bent the knee hidden in a cave, <laughs> bitch, right? And that's who we're always looking for. So keep oh, going because yeah. I, I, I don't want to prolong this too much. But so he comes out of the cave and goes to the brook for three years right yeah so yeah so yeah he has so he has the moment where uh he's he makes the statement to ahab and then he gets you know god it says god moves him to the brook of Kerbeth. yeah or however you say that yeah sorry. and it was and you know one of the things that david foreman said that i just love if, if god has hidden you you are unfindable mm. when god hides you away you are not able to be found by anybody he was he, he was enemy number one for the nation of israel I mean, Ahab's looking for him. Jezebel's looking for him. The reason they're slaughtering the prophets is because of what Elijah said. Right. I mean, just be, and, and rain's not happening. So it's drought city. And so there he is. And, and we even see that because it says that they're sending out people to other nations and saying, if he is here, we're at de facto war. Right. Because if you're hiding him, and I find out you're hiding him. That's how angry they were at this man. But they mm. could not find that's him. That's so good. So if you're hidden or you feel alone. It's because God's hiding you and and you can't be found right now, right? Until right. you hear a word of the Lord. He'd stayed at the brook. The ravens fed him, right? In the old days, my old covenant thinking, I always said, well, it was roadkill from the chariots and he had to eat raw armadillo or whatever, right? And then God corrected <laughs> me one day while I was preaching and said, I am a good father. I'm a good, good father. What do you think I fed Elijah? And he said the ravens would go to the king's table and take the best yep. and bring it to Elijah. Like, because that's mm-hmm. who I am. And I'm like, oh, that's so good, Father. Right. So oh. he's fed by the ravens. And then God yes. says, go, and you're going to meet this widow. So t- take us into that spot. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, man, there's so much here. You know, um, you know, what do ravens do? What are ravens famous for? This is this is the interesting thing is. Even though God is doing all these things for, uh, with Elijah, there is a there's a context that Elijah is putting uh, that God has put Elijah in. Is ravens are notorious for not taking care of their young, right? Mm. But that's what this bird is known for for generations. And it's interesting that Jesus even comments on them that they that they still have food. They don't build shelters. They don't do these things. They still have food. And like you were saying, they were bringing food from the king's table. It said he had meat and bread. They were bringing him meat and bread. And he was there until the drought was so bad that there was no more food on the king's table for the ravens to bring him. And so the interesting thing is I've been going through this discourse and and listening to David and reading. um, What's the course called, John? It it is the Defender of God series. It's Alpha Beta. Defender of God. Defender of God, the story of Elijah. And it's on the Alpha Beta the, the deal and um, Alpha Beta is a is an app that David Foreman does. If you guys want to know Old Testament scripture, it's I mean this dude just I mean it, you it is know. awesome. Yeah, the Hebrew you want to know this changes stuff. everything. Yeah, changes okay. everything. So and keep going. So the Ravens aren't good with their kids, which is the, a generational blessing that can't right. That's the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. they're bringing them food. It all goes away. Right. And what were you saying about mm-hmm. that? The interesting thing and in, in the question that is proposed is why does God choose to use ravens to bring food to Elijah? 
you know, what is God saying in Ravens feeding Elijah? What's the whole point of that? The whole point is, if all right, Elijah, if you're going to hold me to this standard, what I said, you know, so God was, we don't even know if God was willing to do the drought in the first place. You know, we know that it was in the text with Moses and he said that if you do these things, but obviously Elijah steps out, and says these things. And so in a, in a matter of speaking, the ravens feeding Elijah, it's like God saying, I'm robbing the children of Israel because there's a drought over the entire nation. Right. I'm robbing them so that I can meet your needs mm. in this spot. And it's, I mean, if you just sit and think about the idea of ravens, you know, they're not good with their babies. They leave them early. They don't take care of them. And still these babies make it. God is literally using this metaphor to Elijah to speak to Elijah, but he doesn't get it yet. He still doesn't get it. And so what does he do? He moves him to a widow's house. They're on death's doorstep because God knows that when he gets to a face, that this is this is where it begins to change Elijah. This is where his heart starts getting involved. This is the effect of this drought and what Elijah is wanting God to do. You know, what do we like what I was quoting earlier and what we were talking about? Fire. Elijah's fire. Right. It's this radical. Everybody wants to be Elijah. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. when when I was young, it was a it was a, you know, business application. You know, when you're you're passionate about Jesus and you're getting into these radical movements, you know, listening to you preach. Listen to Lou Engle rock back and forth, getting all excited about everything. You know, you're fired up. You're 15, 16. You're like, yes, I'm going to be Elijah. You know? Yeah, of course. Um, You don't realize what you don't realize what you're asking for. No. You know what what happens? And, you know, you said this and I want to come back to this. It's interesting. You know, we were talking about ego and then you brought up shame. What's what's the antithesis of ego is shame, because when we look at ourselves and most people have to once you get to 40, 50 years old, you get you're getting a healthy dose of who you are. Yeah. So you, the same that same coin has two sides. One side is shame and one side is ego. And you're you're balancing between those two all the time, all the time. That's why men like if you're listening to this and you're you're shame based, it's because God's going to remove some of this from you, the way you live life. And this is what we see Elijah working to in this channel. But the reason he gets to this moment with Jezebel and he wants to die is because he's by himself at this moment. He's one on one. It's it's ego or shame. And when you're confronted with Jezebel with ego and shame, you're going to die. Yeah. It's not yeah. if you're she's going to take you out because those are what you're carrying. Right. Right. So if you're carrying so, shame, you're carrying your <laughs> ego. Right. Which we know a lot of men, including ourselves, that can fall into that. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of men that are stuck there. So 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 I'm not going to go into that. I want I want to hear this. So he sees a, the widow. So he needed to see a face. And she says, yep. look, I don't have any food. I'm going to make this and we're going to die. And Elijah says, nope, make it and give it to me. And your jars aren't going to run out, which we used to preach about that all the time too. Right. <laughs> like the, yeah. the miracle of that, which is awesome because it didn't run yeah. out. Yeah. Right. So keep going. So, cause the sun dies, it's really cool. Well, it's, I mean, it's it, not cool that the, the sun dies, but it, you raised him. So. Well, yeah, that's tough. That's, that's <laughs> definitely tough. Um, yeah. The fascinating thing is, is the whole story of Elijah kind of marries, marries uh, or lines up with the story of Noah. And th- this is what's fascinating about when you get into the context, Jesus on the cross, what we were saying, everything's in the text. There's always a cyclical, like God's always coming back to what he said. His yeah. word is powerful. Yes. And so what we see, we see him sitting in there and he tells the widow, he starts prophesying. And everybody's like, man, this miracle of not running out of food. What does Elijah actually say to her? He says, feed me first. And then you can have what's left over. Yes. God said that he would provide for Elijah with this widow. 
He didn't say he was going to provide for the widow. He said, I will provide for you. And so Elijah, understanding how God is working, if he eats this food but doesn't finish it, and they take it and they finish it, then there will have to be food tomorrow. There will always have to be food for the next day. That's good. That's exactly what we were just saying on the the prophetic index call. He has Mm -hmm. to. If if Elijah would have just said, well, let's get a miracle for you so you can eat. He didn't. He said, no, feed me because God promised he's going to keep feeding me. That means you're going to be fed. Mm -hmm. Oh, Shah, that's really mm-hmm. good. That's really good. Ooh, it's powerful. Yeah. Well, what ha- what what ends up happening? What what's what's the, you said it? What what ends up happening because of this? The sun eventually dies. Yeah. Because I mean, we can make a bunch of stretches here. We could talk about because it was God's word to Elijah. We could say, you know, well, God called Elijah to this widow's house. We can say that, and you know, the interesting thing is. You know, to, to jump forward a couple thousand years into Jesus' time, you know, when he talks about this, he talks about two prophets. Technically, he talks about three. He talks about Elijah and Elisha, that when there was a drought, where did God send these prophets? He sent them to other people. Mm. And then he talks about Jonah. And it's 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 kind of the same idea. It, God is literally trying to put this thing into Elijah uh, into Elijah's heart, this idea. And I, I don't want to say it yet, but I'm going to say it because it makes sense of compassion. You know, we want to live in this world. You know, Jonah is famous for, you know, he comes from the the father of truth, like his, you know, this whole truth line. It's what their name was built on. Yeah. You know, Elijah is sitting here saying, this is the truth because I'm looking at the, at the law and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, God said that he's going to do this. It's in the law. So I'm going to hold God to the fire. And the interesting thing is God kind of lets him go with this for a while. It's yeah. almost like God's following Elijah in this saying, okay, let's see where this goes. And I'm going to show you what, what this is going to cost. But he always did, didn't he? I mean, like Abraham, he's like, oh, okay, I'll dance in the blood for you, right? Because he just couldn't do the covenant, the blood covenant. Hagar, okay. right? He's like, okay, well, okay, I'll help you with that, right? I mean, just, and uh, he did it with Moses. He did it with Noah. Like all, the, we just as men can fail over and over in this stuff. And God goes, ah, I'm going to do it anyway because you're my son and I love this. I love this yes. process of getting you into your heart. And teaching yes. us from your heart, right? And he does it with every man who has some hootspah and a little calling on his life, some hair on his mm-hmm. balls, right? That's what he does with us. That's what he's done mm-hmm. with, with my life has mirrored. You know, my wife was widowed. We've been married 22 years. We lost a son, right? We, we, I've been mirrored to this Elijah story um, literally in my own life for for 56 years now right and so it that's why this thing's so important to me okay so and we'll and we'll, we need to conclude we can do a part two here this could be really fun um oh yeah you so the son dies then elijah prays for him comes back to life right but what's the what's the point of this there, there's yeah, a huge the point? point in this in this 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 moment so we have elijah this 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 fiery guy and 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 I want to be honest here. This is stuff that I'm I'm still learning and sure. processing through. We all are, yeah. But it's it's the it's the same statement, and I it's like the it's like I'm putting these two together. And Jonah, what's the whole point of the plan at the end of the story of Jonah? You know, Jonah is wanting the Ninevites to be judged, and he says he quotes back to God. He goes, "I didn't want to do this because I knew that you were going to forgive them. I knew that you are a God full of love." Yeah. And God sets up this whole deal with this little shrub to show that you know that. 
that Jonah, you want this. You want justice for these things that you see that are happening. Elijah, you want justice for the idolatry that you're seeing in the country. But what you don't understand is that you also don't want to live in a world without compassion. Mm. And, and, you know, God makes that amazing statement about the Ninevites. He goes, why shouldn't I love and have compassion on these people? You know, why, why should I just focus on you, Elijah, and not have compassion? And so we see Elijah take the boy upstairs to the upper room. And he has this amazing moment. I'm not going to quote all the scriptures here. But when he comes down, he's literally carrying the boy. The boy's alive and he's carrying the boy down. And what does the wife say to him? The widow say to him, she goes, now, now I know that he's the God of truth. Or uh, what, is, what does she say? I, I need to look that scripture up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say really something good. real quick. Because he has to stretch out on him, mouth to mouth, hand mm -hmm. to hand, right? Stretches out on mm -hmm. him, isn't it? Full impartation. Um, and the boy comes back to life and the widow says, now I know. Yes, she goes. Go ahead. You are a man of God. You're a man of you God. Are a man That's where God. man of God comes from. I say it all the time. You, you, <laughs> now I know you're a man of God. Now, wait, why did, wasn't he a man of God when he, there was no, they didn't run out of food, right? Or she probably didn't know his history or whatever, but he's a man of God right. now because he raised, he, he raised the, the, the boy to life. Raise the boy to life. So the interesting thing, how do we tie this in to mandate? It's one of the thoughts that I keep keeps bouncing in my head. You know, guys, in my life, in, in the last 30 years of my life, um, you know, you know, we have successes. We're working. You know, obviously you're doing the ministry. You're moving to Africa. You're doing this stuff. You went to Spain. You had all these these encounters. But where where God has taken us in the heart, it's like we have these moments where God's providing. So we see that with Elijah and the and the food not running out. But the woman is still walking. And I, I guarantee you, she saw that her and her son were still decaying away. Yeah. There was still something that hadn't set into them at this point that changed when he laid mouth to mouth on this guy, where he was literally taking the boy into the boat, figuratively speaking, like Noah and the people inside the boat. He's literally taking the boy outside from hanging on the outside of the boat. He's taking the boy into the boat. And he's passing this on and she recognizes it immediately and says, man of God. So to me, when I think about this for us in this, when we're, we're struggling with this manhood and what it lo looks like to have the spirit of Elijah is, is as God is moving this stuff, he, he doesn't need us to step out of this channel. Maybe you can, you can say this better than I can, because I'm kind of bouncing over my words on this, but well, it's I, I think the whole point, and I, and I love it. I love exactly what you're saying. And I think for us men that, um, is so vital is that the whole point is that Jesus and God want us to work from compassion. And he was allowing Elijah and all these guys to trip and fall through that to learn. And then we get to Jesus' time and the Pharisees knew the Bible better than anybody, right? Way better than anyone. And they were amazing people, educated, brilliant people. They just didn't have any compassion. Right. And so now we jump forward to where we're at today, especially in America in the West. And we're full. We're Herodians. We love our comfort. Right. You got to mm -hmm. listen to that on Bama. It's so powerful. But the Herodians, man, King Herod, he built the first bathrooms and running water. And man, people love that stuff. I love it. I love my comfortability. Right. And but we're not moved by compassion. So we're Herodian Pharisees in the current church. We're not moved by love. We're not moved by compassion. And it was what God was trying to teach all these prophets and all these guys 
from the beginning of time. If it's not yes. love, it's not going to last. And so what he's yes. trying to do is turn our hearts towards the next generation so that they can see that like, whoa, there's something different about this. There's compassion and life and joy and hope in these men. And I can mm. turn my heart towards that and even increase that, right? It's a multi-generational movement of compassion and faith and hope. We're not, we're not mm. supposed to hoard our money. We're supposed to be generous. We're not supposed to just go to church on Sunday morning, keep going. But man, we become the church. I'd rather go from church than to church, right? I, I, I have church in the line at Disneyland. I have church in the barn, right? I, we have church at a Web3 forum conference, <laughs> right? Um, it yeah. just shows up because we show up. When, when, when yeah. dad walks into the room, the room shifts. It changes. And we are always carrying this thing called compassion and the spirit of Elijah, mm -hmm. right? And Jezebel's always going to attack us and try to em emasculate us and manipulate us. And guess what, guys? I, I was so afraid to preach this Jezebel message one time, and God rebuked me harshly. And he said, man, if you're afraid of this, you have no right preaching it. You're, you're going to overcome mm -hmm. this by the blood of the lamb, right? And so now I speak to this thing in authority, and it can't affect yeah. me, Right. It stole my son. It it did all kinds of things through through my life when I was speaking it not from love and compassion. So I think that's the message that we're just trying to relate through this Elijah story and where he went. We could go on and on and on. Some closing thoughts, John. Yeah, you know, you you said you hit the nail on on, on the ticket. You know, compassion. Um, how does this look? How does this look for me? Because um, I want to give these guys some practical thoughts about this. How does this look? Well. Guys, if you're if you're young and you don't have a family yet, then probably some of this compassion is when you start to look back in your life towards your dad, mm. towards your parents. God's going to use like he he literally took Elijah. If it's the spirit of Elijah and he took Elijah and he put him with two people and he's teaching him this lesson with two people. I have I have two sons right now. Hopefully I'm just going to throw this out there. We're, we're wanting to adopt a daughter. Yeah. You know, God's put this in my wife's heart. So our family is going to be a family of eight instead of seven. I say that because of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is my family with a huge table. It's never going to end. And so, but how does he teach me that? He teaches that, that compassion for me through my wife. When I mess up or when I, when, I, when I respond to something in anger or in shame or I want to hide, this is my, my moments with the widow. This is my moments with the, with the orphan boy or the son of the widow, with my mm. two boys. You know, if you're wondering, how does this apply to my life? Look at your family first. God will start with the family. E even Eli was saying this today. This thing, this wealth transfer that we're seeing in this crypto verse with finances and everything, which that's my reminder to pray. <laughs> John 14, 12. Um, oh, that's so fitting. Who, very truly, I tell you, this is the verse. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Ooh, well, what was the work that Jesus would, was doing? Yeah, He literally says it in John 6. He goes, the work is to believe in the one God sent. Yeah. That is your work. So if you're sitting with your family and your boys and you're wondering, how does this apply? Start looking for those moments instead of looking at justice. And I, it's got to be this way. I've got to come right. wait and see if God will bring some compassion into that come scenario. On. It's not and your heart will start turning. Not orthopraxy. It's not about your theology and how much you know or think you know. It's about orthopraxy. It's about practicing oh. what Jesus did on the planet. And it says yes. he never did anything without being moved with compassion. 
He was moved by compassion and he healed people, right? He would touch the Mm -hmm. lepers. I think it was only one time he didn't touch the leper. No one would touch a leper, but he was such moved by Mm -hmm. such compassion that he would touch the Mm -hmm. lepers, right? And so I Mm -hmm. think that's it. I think we, we just want to encourage you guys and make sure you reach out, get on the app, message us, talk to us, give us feedback. Um, but we're moving, we're, we're creating a movement of men that are moved by compassion, right? Moved by the love of Christ. They're, they live not, they don't ask Jesus to live in their hearts. They ask Jesus to live through their hearts. And oh, we're, we're going to do more and more on the heart. And how do we live from our hearts instead of always being stuck in our head and always trying to build our own empire and always whatever, right? Being emasculated men running around in our churches and around the planet and, and orphans leading orphans because we walk in, a, in an orphan spirit, right? So now our CEOs and our government leaders are all orphan spirit people leading other orphans, right? And God's like <laughs> wanting to shift this in the, the heart of men. And he's going to mm-hmm. do it. We, we might do a second one on this. This is good stuff. Get back in there and study some more for, foreman. I'll list this stuff, guys. David Foreman, Rabbi David Foreman. And the, his course again is what, John? Uh, Defender of God, the story of Elijah. Defender of God, the story of Elijah. I'll put those in the notes. Um, the dream book we'll throw in there. We love you guys. Man, thanks for joining us. Johnny, thanks, buddy. I love you so much. We'll go for a part two. Do some studying. <laughs> All right. <laughs>